Well, good morning, Fidel. Good to see you all here. Um, I'm Pastor Chris, one of the pastors around here, and uh, we just had a great day so far. I don't know how many of you know, if you're new here, we have uh, church now happening in two locations, same service, everything, 8, 9, 10, 11, so you're the last, and way to go. We kind of, I was, we were so worried, like, this was going to be, how many people are going to show up at Grand, because it only has 220 seats over there, and, and everything just seemed to balance out, so awesome. God is good. The Spirit moved in your hearts to come to this service, and I'm really grateful, so thanks for being here. Uh, this has been an awesome day so far. The service has been full over there and, uh, and full here, and so we're just grateful that we're able to now open up more seats so more people can hear about Jesus. Now, if you're new today, don't let the suit throw you off. Like, I literally <laughs> wear this twice a year, okay? If you come back next week, I'm just like you. I'll be wearing tennis shoes and, and jeans, and, and I'll be really happy again. But I'm wearing it because Jesus rose from the dead, right? So, uh, and, and that's a good reason to do this, right? Um, Easter is, is one of those holidays where we do things like that. In fact, it's a kind of a confusing holiday if you think about it. Um, like, I, I can never quite figure out why Easter lands when it lands. Anybody else have this problem? Like, it feels to me like some guys, like, just put spring calendar and I'll just kind of like, bleh, you know, do this. And, oh, that's a good, that's a good Sunday. Sometimes it feels like it's in February. Other times, like, late May. And then on really satanic weekends, it's like tax day, April 15th. And, uh, you know, it's just bizarre. It's a very strange thing. And, and it's bizarre. I think it must be really bizarre as children. Like I, I thought about it, I, I have the traditions with my kids that you guys have with your kids where you wake them up on Easter morning. Now they're all grown now. I didn't do this with Gabby this morning. But uh, when they were young, right? When they were little, little, hey kids, you know, Jesus rose from the dead. So let's all get dressed up because an Easter money came last night and hid, you know, eggs in the backyard to so go find them. And they're like, uh -huh, daddy, I don't know what you're saying, right? I, this is so confusing. It's a very bizarre Christian holiday, but we are here to celebrate Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And listen, uh, many of you are here for all kinds of reasons, right? We got people in this room that are here because uh, somebody invited you and, um, you know, told you to go to 242 West Baseline Road and you thought it was a restaurant. You're like, oh, crud, church, right? And <laughs> others of you, um, you're, you're here because this is just kind of what you do a few times a year as you come to church. You, you don't really like church, and I get that because you think it feels really irrelevant. Christi Christians feel very judgmental, whatever. I mean, there's, there's various reasons, and, and the whole Christian thing just doesn't, doesn't it's not your vibe, and, and so you just kind of show up. It's a good cultural thing to do. Others of you are here because, because truthfully, there's some fear in your heart. There's, there's fear that, you know, God is angry, and you better please him, and one of the ways you please him is you show up. And in fact, you've maybe even got some things that you... You don't want anybody to know, and you're thinking, God knows, and man, when I come in, the rafters might come down, and if all these judgmental Christians knew what, what I really did, then, then they'd be looking down their noses at me and that kind of thing, right? So we've got, I've got all these things. Then we've got a group of people here that say, man, I'm here because I love Jesus, and I love Jesus because of what he's done for me, and I love celebrating the resurrection, and I love that he died for me on the cross, and I see that, and I see the glory, and I see the beauty. Now, now why, why these sort of two camps? Why, why this camp of reluctance? and a, ca a camp of sort of joyful acceptance, and we like that. And I have to wonder, I, 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 I've got to believe that part of the reluctance is because you've just never heard the good news. You, you just, I mean, I'm not, not saying you've, you, don't, you don't know there's a guy named Jesus, and he died on a cross, and I think that was supposed to do something for my sins or whatever, but you've never really heard and understood the, the good news because, and here's what I want to do. I just want to make sure that you hear it, right? I, you can reject it. You can accept it. You, you can say, I want nothing to do with that or whatever. That's fine for you. It's not good for me. But, but I, I don't want anybody saying, 
I've never heard the, the good news because at the center of Christianity is that. There's this word, this very old word that comes out of the New Testament Greek and gets translated into Latin and then gets pushed into German and then finally we pick it up from the Germans and, and it's the word gospel. What is gospel? I mean, gospel has no meaning to an English, you know, we, we call music gospel. We, we say things like that's the gospel truth, emphasize how true it really is. And none of those actually do the word justice. It's literally a word that just means good news. It's, it's good news. It's good news that you can actually be forgiven of real sins. It's good news that your life can change. It's good news that God can actually revamp your heart. It's good news that you can have a do-over. I could go on and on and on about what incredible good news it is for you individually and for me individually. And so all I want to do this morning is just tell you about it. I want to, I want, because this is really what Easter is all about. And I want to do that by doing something I've never done before. I, I, um, I'm going to preach the exact same verse of Scripture that I preached on Christmas. So if you're here, you're getting a repeat, kind of, not really, because it's a different sermon. It's just the same verse, because this verse is just jam-packed with meaning. And I want to help you see some things, because I hope that in this verse, you're going you're gonna to see some. And finally, I, I, I'm praying, I'm just pleading with God that the light would go on, you would see this, and you would believe. I am not here, hear me now, I am not here to call you, call you to join Foothill Church. I'm not here to say, oh, come join this religion. We're not here to create a moral majority. We, we are here because there is this thing called the gospel of Jesus Christ that will transform your life if you let it. And I just want to make sure you hear it. And the verse I want to show you is a verse that nearly every Christian knows. You ask them if they've memorized any part of the Bible, they're going to tell you, oh, yeah, I know one verse, and it's John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, I want you to understand, these are the words of Jesus. If you've got a red-letter Bible... Right? doesn't mean the red letters are more important, but it means that Jesus apparently spoke them. Most scholars believe these words came out of the mouth of Jesus. This is Jesus talking to us. I want to tell you the good news. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So all I want to do is like we do here, if you're new to Foothill Church, we just sort of take these verses and try to break them apart so that we can understand really what's going on. What's the meaning behind all of this? And so let's just do that. I'm going to kind of pepper it with some questions and figure out what's going on. And what I want you to see is, is, is a few things. The first thing is, who is this God? Who, who is this God? Because it says, for God, the gospel, you understand, starts with God. It's God's idea for God that he does something. This is a really important thing that we talk about. And we all talk about God. We all think about God in one form or another. Some say his name to damn people. Some say his name to bless people. Some, some use his name in, in prayers. Some, some use it as sort of like, oh, brother. There's all kinds of ways, but who is he? Like, what, what are we supposed to understand about this guy? A, a guy, a pastor by the name of Greg Gilbert, he wrote a great little book called What is the Gospel? And in it, he deals with this issue where he talks about who God is and, and what the culture, where there's sort of these misconceptions about God, because it's not like at the Bible, it's just sort of, it's my subjective understanding of who I think God is. And, and see if this doesn't resonate with you at all. In, in how Greg Gilbert describes um, who God might be, Okay. He says this, let me introduce you to God with a lowercase g. 
You might want to lower your voice a little before we go in. He might be sleeping now. He's old, you know, and he doesn't much understand or like this newfangled modern world. His golden days, you know, the ones he talks about when you really get him going were a long time ago and before most of us were even born. Of course, all that's changed now, though, and God, poor fellow, just never adjusted very well. Life's moved on, passed him by. Now he spends most of his time just hanging out in the garden out back. I go there sometimes to see him, and there we tarry, walking, talking softly, tenderly among the roses. Anyway, a lot of people still like him. And you'd be surprised how many people even drop by to visit and ask for things every once in a while. But of course, that's all right with him. He's here to help. Thank, thank goodness all the crankiness you read about sometimes in his old books. You know, having the earth swallow people up, raining fire down on cities, that sort of thing. All that seems to have faded in his old age. Now he's just a good-natured, low-maintenance friend who's really easy to talk to, especially since he almost never talks back. And when he does, it's usually to tell me anything I want to do is all right by him. That really is the best kind of friend, isn't it? You know the best thing about him, though? He doesn't judge me ever for anything. Oh, sure, I know that deep down he wishes I'd be better, more loving, less selfish, all that, but he's realistic. He, he knows I'm human. Nobody's perfect, and I'm totally fine with that. Besides, forgiving people is his job. It's what he does. After all, he's love, right? And I like to think of love as never judging, only forgiving. That's the God I know, and I wouldn't have him any other way. All right, we can go in now, and don't worry. We don't have to stay long, really. He's grateful for any time he can get. That, that, at any part of your conception of God? See, that's so different than how the Bible talks about God. And that's so different than how God talks about God. You know, at one point, God actually says this of himself. He says, I am Almighty God. I'm Almighty God. And nobody actually believes this, which is probably why he wrote it. Like I, I, am, I have all power. I have all might. This is the God that we serve. No one has ever done him justice. No one has ever thought all of God that could be thought. Nobody's ever spoken in a way that gives him all the credit and glory that he's due. So, so look at what Isaiah 40 says. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. This is the God of the Bible. Paul picks up on this in Romans chapter 11, and he says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Now, we, we want to judge God, don't we? We want to search out and say, that was wrong what you did. Inscrutable. He, is, he cannot be scrutinized. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Answer, no one. Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? No one. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. That is the God. That is the God of the gospel. That is for God, John 3.16. But what about this God? 
See, God doesn't hate the world, as some people think, right? He's just, God just loves, he just loves burning things, right? He likes being angry. Got a big, giant cosmic cane. He loves just beating. I just, just love that. Like, Ooh, that was good. Yeah, okay, there's somebody else I can judge. He loves the world. How much does God love the world? You ever thought about this? How much? Did you hear John? Hear it again. For God so loved the world. That little word, so. <laughs> that, 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 is, that is a tiny little word that is jam-packed with meaning. And just say he loved the world. He so loved the world. Some of you know a gentleman who goes to our church. In fact, he preaches sometimes, an African guy named uh, Ebenezer Puplampu. And, and Ebenezer grew up in, in Ghana, and, and he grew up in a, uh, a family that didn't worship Jesus. They were animistic. They, were, they worshiped their ancestors. And, and uh, Ebenezer was part of a royal family. I mean, he was actually the heir to the throne of his tribe. And and, and, and he was going to a private school, and he had all the privileges of everything. And, and, and one day, a missionary comes to the school. And you can talk to Ebenezer. Ebenezer is totally fine with me telling you the story. But, but he, a missionary came to his, his school and, and, and preached to them. But he said before he preached, he had Ebenezer come up and read in front of everybody John 3.16. And if you know Ebenezer, when he gets really kind of passionate about something. When he begins to talk, he stutters. And so he begins to talk and he reads it and he reads John 3, 16 and he says, for God so, 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 so loved the world. And his stammering took him back. And he listened to this man describe it and what he heard was the intensity of God's love. See, if you ask God, if you say, God, what do you think about this world that you made? Like, just describe your feelings. God wouldn't go, meh. That's right. So, 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 so love the world. I'm passionate. I'm ferociously in love with this place. And some of you, you hear that, and you think, well, of course he is. We're awesome. Everything is awesome. Right? Except that we're not. And we know that's not true. But the Bible says this about you and me. It says about all humanity. We love darkness more than we love light. We like to hide. We, we, we do think, say evil things, and then we cover them over. We don't want them exposed. We don't want anybody seeing what's really going on inside. We tell our th- ourselves everything is okay, and we know that's not true. I mean, ask anybody sitting next to you today because church people are the most polite people in the world, and if you ask them, how are you, you're likely to hear what? Fine. Except that I'm not. Except that there's things I'm hiding from you. Except there's things that I've done that I'm ashamed of. I'm not fine. We all know there's a problem. We just refuse to believe that it comes from me and from you, right? The problem with the world is global warming. The problem with the world is lack of education. The problem with the world is poverty. The problem with the world is ISIS. The problem, what just go on and on, right? G.K. Chesterton, one time a newspaper when he was living said, what's the problem with the world? And all these essays came in and G.K. Chesterton wrote back and said this. His whole essay, the problem with the world is me. I'm the problem, right? The problem is inside of me. 
I, I, I've, got this, I've got this critical error going on inside of me and I can't, I can't seem to do anything about it. But we just deny it. We, it must not exist then. I, I must be okay. Everything's okay. I don't know if you read Steve Jobs' uh, biography. Who was it? Walter Isaacson wrote it. And, and he, um, I think that was, am I right? Did anybody know? That, did I say the right name? I think I said the right name. Walter Isaacson. I, Steve Jobs is the right name, but the guy who wrote it. <laughs> Uh, and Steve Jobs, he, he uh, fascinating guy, genius, right? I mean, just unbelievable. And, and, and there's sort of this like comical part in there where, where his coworkers said that he had what they called a reality distortion field. And, and here's what that was. He, he like could, he would just act like the truth was a lie, the lie was the truth. I mean, just straight face. So somebody would come and they would offer up this brilliant idea and he would go, that's, that's junk, stupid, you know, walk on. The next day he'd show up and go, I've got this brilliant idea. And he'd give their idea with a straight face. And they're all sitting there incredulous in meetings like, how, how can he do this? His reality distortion field. So they laughed about it, they cried about it. But you know, ultimately, this reality distortion field killed him. Steve Jobs died from a very curable form of cancer because he just simply refused. He, he was like, no, I, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. I mean, all I need to do is sort of be barefoot, not take a bath and eat herbs, and I'll be good. And he died. And this is what we do. We just deny the truth about ourselves. And the Bible says, you know. Like, you know there's a God. You just don't want to acknowledge him as God. You suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You, you do these things because you don't want to have to own up that there's a problem with me. Now look, look, so here's what we do. This, this God, this almighty God who so, so, so loves the world, including you. And what do we do? Reject him. You're not God. I don't, I don't, you know, you're not the boss of me. I don't have to pay attention to you. I do what I want. I live my life my way. I'm self-made. Don't, don't, don't tell me what to do. And we reject, and we reject, and we reject. Now tell me, what would you do if you just so, so, so loved another person and all you ever got from them was rejection? I know what I would do. There come a point where you go, we're done. Fine, if that's the way you want to play this, I'm out. Unfriend. <laughs> right? We're, we're not... We're not having this relationship anymore. But that's not what God does. This, this God who so, 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 so loved the world and was rejected by us over and over again. What does he do? He doesn't reject us. He gave his only son. I mean, unbelievable. Only. Only. It's the only one I've got. It's, only means only. It means irreplaceable. It means unique. It means one of a kind. It means there is no other. There is no other Savior I'm going to send to you. There is no other religion. There is no other name, the Bible says, whereby a man or a woman, a boy or a girl can be saved. There is no other. I've sent you the one and only. And see, some, some people look at, hear that and go, see, this is what I hate. You're so exclusive. You're so close-minded. Like, like what, what, see, see that Christians, you, you, you know, all religions are equal. All roads lead to God. Do, do, no one believes that. 
You can be mad. You can say, I don't like Christianity. I don't like what you teach or preach. Fine, but don't say all religions are equal. Don't tell me that a religion that offers up child sacrifice is equal to another. Don't tell me that blowing yourself up in the middle of a marketplace to kill as many people is equal with another religion. None of us believe this. It's like, offer my only son. I'm giving him to you. He gave as a gift. Not you earned. Not you were awesome. And he says, you know what he did? He comes down and he lives the life you couldn't live and he died the death no one of us want to die. He satisfies every demand of God. He, 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 he makes sure that, that he covers our guilt. He forgives our sins. That's what it means. See, every religion in the world, every single one, Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, Mormonism, pick it. Everyone is based on how deserving we are. Except the Christian gospel, which says you're not. I don't deserve it, which is why it's a so, 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 so kind of love. If I deserve it, it's not so loved. It's like, yeah, you earned it. Good for you. See, only the Christian gospel says you didn't deserve it. This isn't about you. This is about the massive, ferocious love of God. But, um, but who's it for? For God so, 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 so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever. That means, that means whoever. Right? That means Republicans and Democrats and Tea Party. That means, that, that, that means you know, tall and short. That means smart and dumb. That means uh, you know, good people that have got their act together and those whose life is a wreck. That means everyone. That whoever. And he says, whoever, if you do something, then there's two paths. One perishes, one has eternal life. Every person in this room, every person in our community, every person in the world is on one of two paths. You're either on a path to eternal life or you're on a, a path to eternal perishing. So what then makes the difference? What makes the difference between life and death? He tells us. Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him. Now let's talk about that because what is this word? What is this believe? Because I believe a lot of things. I believe today is Easter. I believe tomorrow will be Monday. I believe that two plus two is four. I believe that Elizabeth is the queen of England. I believe, I mean, you know, lots of historical facts. Is this, is this what God is saying when he says believe? Jesus is saying believe in him? See, see, the massive, overwhelming love of God. He so, 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 so loved the world that what he gave so that what we would do is just have some sort of mild agreement. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, it's good. That's a good fact. Jesus died for me. Jesus came and he rose again. Not, not mild agreement. When Jesus says, Whoever believes in him, he actually uses a term that had never been used before. Whoever, he says, believes literally into him. Whoever believes into 
Jesus. I have kept Jesus at arm's distance my whole life. I've, I've said, you know, you live in your side of the street and I'll live on mine and, and we're not together and I, I, I don't want you in my life. He says, no, what you do now is you come in and you come into this new sphere of existence. You come into a brand new place. Like, like you now orbit around me. I am not the garnish to the side of your life. I am the main course. I'm everything. I'm the center of your existence. This is what Jesus offers. Believing into him. Not, not, not being more religious. Believing. See, you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, if you really want to be forgiven of real sins by a real Savior, I'm your man. Now see, this is really important because I'm not talking theory now. If you're here today and in your mind, in your heart, you're kind of thinking, whatever, you know, and I don't, I, this is good for people. I think religion is nice and maybe some things you're saying are going to help change people, but I think I'm fine, Kristen. Listen, this message seriously is not for you. This is for people who have walked in here today and go, I really, I have real sins and struggles and guilt and shame and things that I deal with. I have a past. I, I have so many things perhaps that I'm not proud of that I've hidden in the darkness. And there's Jesus saying, <laughs> this is it. Like, I'll take those. I'll be a real savior to you. I'll actually take care of those things. You get this? It's not just for the casual person who thinks, I think that's a nice, this is not a religion. So, so, okay. And if you do that, he says, if you believe in me like that, then I'll take care of you. If you believe in me like that, then you are brought safely into him forever. And he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Never. So, so, so what unlocks it? What, how do we get in? I, I, I want to get into that. It's, it's just believing. See, it's believing this. It's, it's believing that, that God is offering his grace. We live in a time that says God hasn't shut the door yet. He's offering his grace through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you will receive it by faith, not by your works, not by the law, not by earning it, then you can have this. Believing that. So this is all he's saying. So when you say, what must I do to be saved? You know what the Bible will answer to that? Because that's what some people asked in the book of Acts. What must I do to be saved? You know what the answer is? You do nothing. You receive everything. You stand there. You shut your mouth. You listen. And you believe. That's what you do with the gospel. That's all you do. You believe in, into it. You, you believe that it's true, right? You listen to the truth and say yes to it. See, so what this means, if that's true, if all I can do is stand there, hear the truth of God, he tells me that all I got to do is believe, then what does it mean? That means that my past is irrelevant. That, that means that I don't, I'm not coming to God and he's not looking at my rap sheet. He's not looking at the bad things. And in fact, religious person, he's not even going, show me your spiritual resume. 
He doesn't care. He's not saying, Chris, this is a badness versus goodness thing. It, listen, you could be somebody who is totally lost. And you know why you'll be totally lost? Because you look inside and go, I have this guilt. I carry around this shame. I carry on this sin with me that I don't let anybody know about. And if God knew, then he would never accept me. Well, God does know. And if you refuse to come to him, the only sin that won't be forgiven is the one that you won't take to him. And you'll be lost forever. But, but listen, there's another person who's completely lost. And that's the person that thinks, I'm awesome. Why would God not love me? Have you seen the kind of person I am? I mean, I give. I'm kind. I'm generous. I'm, I'm an unbelievably good neighbor. And God goes, if this is what you think, none of it. No, what you do is you simply stand and receive and believe. Your, your, your goodness, your badness doesn't get you anywhere. Now, why would you not believe and trust and open your heart to something like that? Why, why, why would we have a lukewarm kind of love to that kind of so, 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 so kind of love from God? See, if you believe, he'll draw you to himself. So what happens if I don't? What, if I, what happens if I just think, you know, whatever? Well, Jesus tells us, for God so, so, so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish. Which means if you don't believe in him, you will perish. And what does perish mean? Perish means ending. And let me talk about that for a second because I, I got to make sure you understand this. This is not you cease to exist. This is not your body decays in the ground. This is you end this life and there is a trail of failures or whatever behind you or even successes. There's a trail of it, but you leave behind all your clothes, all your cars, all your old computers, all your lost opportunities. You leave everything and then a bunch of people gather in a room and maybe you're in a casket, maybe you're in an urn and, and they, they, they talk and say wonderful things about you and they remember you and then, you know, maybe a, a decade later, all of them are dead and then you never matter again until one day that you are called before the judge of all the universe to stand before his white hot throne to answer one question why did you reject my so 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 love why would you do that and you will have no answer. You know what hell is? Hell is for people that say have been offered the so, so, so love of God in Christ and have said, I don't want it. I don't need it. I'm good. And the Bible says they will suffer punishment and banishment. That's hell. That's hell. That whoever believes in him would not perish. But you will if you don't believe. So what happens if I do believe? Will not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life is what happens. You get life. You, you get everything you ever dreamed. 
not just in this life, but in the life to come. This isn't a promise for you to have all the greatest possessions in the world. God's not some prosperity God that just sort of passes out and says, I'm going to make Christians the richest people in the world. Of course he doesn't do that. He's making us more like his son Jesus who owned nothing, who, who didn't even have a, a, a possession of his, didn't even own a grave, didn't even have anything. Follow him because he's going to eternal life and in that life you will never miss anything. And it starts the moment you believe. I mean, so here's God. I'm, I'm, handing, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to offer this. I'm, I'm here in this room right now saying to you, here's, here's your choices. And I want to give this to you. This is a gift. You didn't earn it. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so here we come to Jesus. I don't come with my resume. You know what I come? The only thing I come to Jesus with is my junk, my trash, my baggage, my brokenness. And you know why? We used to sing this song when I was growing up in church. I haven't heard it for years. Something beautiful, something good. And there's a part that says, all I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful out of my life. You know why that, you know why that works? If I offer him all my goodness, my perfect life, I've just, boy, I earned all this, then it's like sterile soil. Do you, you know you can't grow anything in sterile soil? You burn all the nutrients out of it, do whatever, nothing will grow in that soil. So what do you do? What do we do? You make that soil as gross as you can. You throw garbage into it. You get it as putrid and nasty as you possibly can because then when the seed goes in and dies, wow. Isn't this Easter? Because Easter, what do we do at Easter? We talk about Easter is like new life. Easter is all about sort of daisies and springtime and new buds and all that kind of stuff. And that's good, but it is. And you know why there's new life there? Because, because it died, because there was this awful, horrible soil. This is what I do. I come to God and say, here's all I've got to give to you, brokenness, strife, my baggage, all this junk. And God says, perfect. Perfect, because now the seed of my gospel will go in there and it will bear much fruit. And you will make something beautiful. <laughs> That's Easter. You know what else Easter is? Easter is, is God shouting to the world, that everything my son told you is true. Right, you understand this? If, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, if Easter is in fact just a myth, if you could produce for me the bones of Jesus and we could scientifically prove that these were Jesus' bones, he never rose from the dead, then I would say to you, throw your Bible in the trash and say with Paul, eat, drink, be merry, tomorrow we die. Do whatever you want, live however you like, don't believe what you believe, go whatever, do what you want because this is over. You don't have to believe anything that Jesus said if he didn't rise from the dead. But if he did, then he's who he says he is. 
He's the son of God. He's told you the truth, and now you have to believe every single word, including John 3.16, including every promise he made that whoever believes in him won't perish, but shall have eternal life. Do you, see, do you see what's set in front of you today? What's set in front of you is a crossroads. I, I don't know where you are. I don't, know if, I don't know if you've ever come to this place where you've actually genuinely trusted, you've believed into Jesus Christ. But you understand, this is, this is the invitation. This is what God is doing. This is what Jesus is saying. That there is two choices. There's life and there's death. It's always been those two choices. And if you know the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, the choice was life or death. Adam and Eve, look at what you want. You, you can choose life, do what I say, follow what I say, or you can choose death. Go over to that tree right there, eat it, and death will come. And all through Scripture, God's sitting there in front of His people saying, here it is, perish or eternal life. Perish, which is it going to be? Deuteronomy chapter 30, look what he says. See, this is God talking. I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, here's God's conclusion for you. Choose life. And see, God isn't like up in heaven going, you know what I love it? I love it when I can just judge more people, when I can burn more people, when I can get angry at more people. He's sitting up there saying, are you kidding me? The so, 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 so love of God has come to you and all you've got to do is say, yes, it's choose life. Is it going to be life or death, blessing or curse? Please choose life. That's what God offers to you. That's the gospel. And now you can never say, I never heard it. The question is not, have you heard it? Have you not heard it? The question is, what do you do with it? You choose life. How do you choose life? You believe. You believe into. You say, Jesus, you are who you say you are. And I am who you say I am. And I bring nothing to you. I don't bring anything. I just, I just come naked, poor, ashamed, and I bring you my life. Nobody's ever become a Christian who brings God their awesomeness. But he is there for everybody who says, just come to me. If you'll believe in me, I'll change you. I'll forgive you. Can you imagine this? I will actually forgive you of your sins. They'll be gone. I'll actually cleanse you. I will separate those sins from you. I'll forget them. I'll forget them. It's like they didn't even exist. I'll put them behind. I, I, I won't even, when I look at you, I won't anymore. Chris, I'll never again bring up those sins of your past. I'll never bring up again those things. And if you hear the voice in your head accusing them, that's not me, Chris. I love you. And you don't have to live there anymore. It's unbelievable. But he doesn't just bring us up to zero. Like, you know, like we're indebted and we've got it, our, our, our balance sheet is in the red, way, way, way in the red. And what Christ doesn't, doesn't say is, you know what I'll do? I'll just cancel everything and boom, put you back up or now you can just start on even footing and you're at zero. No. You know what God does? He says, through Jesus Christ, I'm going to get you up to zero and then I'm going to take all, all the chips in Christ's bank and I'm going to push them to your account. 
I'm not just going to see you as morally neutral. I'm going to look at you as just as righteous as my son. Are you kidding me? Why would you not respond to that? I'm going to pray with us in just a second here. Before I do that, I, I, want, I want to just offer you the chance to respond to this. I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm asking you to, to, to say, what are you going to do with this God, this God who so, so, so loved you that he gave his only son? And all, all you got to do is believe. And again, it's not this casual, mild agreement. It's a, it's a passion. I'm going. This is a new sphere of existence. I'm going I'm to stake my life on this. Will you do that today? And if you're ready, you say, man, I want to I, I choose life. Here's what's set before you. Set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Which is it going to be? Choose life. And this is simply you responding to Jesus. I don't, I don't, you don't choose life because I have you raise your hand or I have a mantra to pray over you or you shake my hand. I, I can't save anybody. No, no words can save you other than you saying, Jesus, I believe. Jesus, forgive me. I come to you with all my baggage. I place them at the foot of the cross and, and you forgive me. And you'll take care of these. That's all you do. And you believe. And if that's you, I, I want you to take this connection card that Stephen talked to you about at the beginning. And down here at the bottom it says, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Just check that box. And then walk it out to our black info tent outside. And there's some wonderful folks out there. And you don't have to say anything. Just hand it to them. Check the box. Hand it to them. And you know, I want to pray for you. I want to be a resource to you in any way that we can to see you begin to grow in this relationship that comes out of the gospel. That's what Jesus will do for you. Okay? Let's pray together. Father.